minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Welcome to listeners in the Northern Territory, the ACT, West Australia, Tasmania, Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland. I've left you out. Well, that's what happens as you get older. You leave things out. Also, welcome to those people listening to the program on the World Wide Web, 3cr.org.au. If you get called away during the program, you miss something, you want to listen to something again, this program is podcast. You can access the podcast for the next six to seven weeks by going to 3cr.org.au. And if you wonder what Anarchy is all about, Anarchy Society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Very, very conservative concepts. Sharing wealth, sharing power, to each according to their ability, you know, to each according to their need. Very, you know, you know, that's the way it goes. Very simple. So if you want to chop off heads, don't listen to the anarchist world this week. If you want to become a bloated billionaire... Don't listen to the anarchist world this week because you won't get any hints about how to do that. Okay, let's start off. Now, <clears throat> what I try to do, and the key word is try, try, try. What I try to do is just look at what's happening in the world around us, mainly Australian, things that happen in Australia, sometimes overseas, and uh, just try to give a a different slant to things. Now, the federal government, led by our beloved to some Prime Minister, well, beloved not too many these days, Malcolm Turnbull, is bleeding. It's hemorrhaging. It's hurting. It's become a plaything of the reactionary conservative elements within the party. It's become a basically a puppet for the puppet masters. Not just those people who own the means of production, distribution, exchange, and communication, but their representatives in the Institute of Public Affairs. But that's a different matter, but it's bleeding. Now, I've noticed the federal government's response to the unfair work commissions. I can't really call them fair work commission anymore. I'm going to call them unfair work commission. Decision to... Um, you know, interfere with the overtime payment. 
business in this country. And obviously, they're not going to target fully unionised uh, workplaces like police, ambulance officers, nurses, doctors working in the public health system. You wouldn't want to target them. You'd have a bit of a fight on your hands. But they're very keen to target those people in a casualised industry, non-unionised industry, or industries where unions are really neither here or there. So we've seen the Unfair Work Commission make a decision that will see 700,000 Australian workers, mainly women and part-time workers, take a decreased pay home. Take a pay cut. Very simple. Take a pay cut. And this is an ideological battle that's now been going on for 30 years. For 30 years, this ideological battle has been going on, and this is their first major victory. So what does our beloved Malcolm, hemorrhaging, blood, litres per minute, do? Well, he wants to avert the public gaze for their responsibility for this decision. Don't forget, the Federal Liberal National Party coalition didn't actually go up to the Fair Work Commission when they were taking submissions and said, look, we oppose this. They decided not to make any contributions, giving the Unfair Work Commission a green light to make that decision. Obviously, the Commission would may have come to a different decision if the Federal Government stepped in and said, we disagree with decreasing the pay of some of the poorest workers in this country. So he's got a problem. And it seems that even the result in West Australia was to a significant degree due to that Unfair Work Commission decision. Because, you know, 700,000 people, that's a lot of people, and they may have two or three dependents, so you're looking at two, three million people. So, you know, it's beginning to have a, a bit of an impact. So here they are. What have they done? What have they done to deflect your attention from their complicity in this decision? What have they done? They've jumped up and down. They said, we are going to... Sorry for laughing because it is laughable. We are going to introduce new legislation in Parliament which will make it a criminal offence with jail terms of up to 10 years for trade unions to go into deals with employers which disadvantage workers. We, the coalition, we are the Workers' Party. We will go in there, boots and all. We will tough it out. We will show these trade unionists that we are the Workers' Party and that we will ensure that they will toe the line. What a joke. What a joke. They could have joined the Federal Labor Party and passed legislation this week that would have, you know, seen the end of this attack on poorly paid workers in this country. But no, not them. Not them. So so here we are, Malcolm Turnbull, one of the richest men in this country, painting himself as the ch- champion of Labor. 
the champion of Labor. This is akin to, to Stalin painting himself as a great supporter of human rights. Or even our good mate Adolf Hitler telling the world he had no intention of leading Germany into the Second World War. I mean, this is pathetic. This is politics at its very worst. And if they think, and if they think that by some chance we will swallow this, well, think again. How pathetic, Malcolm. If this is all you can come up with, you better start counting the money in your bank account, especially your overseas bank account, because it won't be long before those parasites and maggots that you have been cohabitating with in the, in the Liberal Party will put the knife in your back so deep you will never, never politically have any impact on this country. Bye, bye, beloved Prime Minister. Now, talking about beat-ups, poor old Sally. Poor old Sally McManus the new president of the ACTU. She's been pilloried from pillar to post over the last week by the corporate-owned media, the government guild at ABC, the Turnbull-led, well, for a while, coalition government, and she's been disowned by her own Bill Shorten, the leader of Her Majesty's loyal opposition, for stating the bleeding obvious the trade union movement should consider breaking unjust laws. Yeah, is it? Should consider breaking unjust laws. So what is the law? What is the law? The law, in its simplest form, is a rule binding on a community. You know, it's a rule binding on a community. That's the law, that's the law. It's a rule made by Parliament in this country, binding on community. In a dictatorship, it's a rule made by a dictator, binding on the community. You know, that's what the law is. So what did she say? She said, the trade union movement should consider breaking unjust laws. Now, in countries that have constitutional protections against the arbitrary exercise of state power against the individual... Unjust laws are normally set aside by judiciary. That's the whole purpose of having a judiciary and a high court and a constitution. And there are some countries that have constitutional protections for the individual against the arbitrary exercise of state power. But unfortunately, in the land of Oz, the land down under, the land of milk and honey, in Australia... We have no constitutional protections against the arbitrary exercise of state power against the individual. The only way to challenge unjust laws in between elections is by breaking them. So where does the concept of an unjust law, where does it, where does it derive from? The concept of an unjust law is derived from the idea 
that human beings are born with inalienable rights and liberties no government can legislate away. And that was the whole purpose of the Eureka Rebellion. This is a a rebellion against unjust laws. Those people involved in that rebellion, many of of whom paid the ultimate price, they lost their life in that struggle, believed they were born with inalienable rights and liberties that no government can legislate away. So what is a just and unjust law is outlined in the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. I mean, this declaration was formulated, and Australia was heavily involved in formulating this declaration. It was formulated as a consequence of the Nuremberg trials, which were held after World War II, to prosecute war criminals, mainly European war criminals. I mean, the single most important lesson derived from the Nuremberg trials was the individual, irrespective of laws which stripped communities of their universal human rights, was ultimately responsible for their actions. And I'll repeat that again. The Nuremberg trials came up with a simple solution that you, your defence, you couldn't have a defence of that you are only following orders. You're only following the law. If that law stripped individuals of human, human or, or specific groups of their human rights, that is an unjust law. And as an individual, you have a responsibility to oppose the implementation of that law and break that law. And if you refuse to do it, and later on the particular government or political movement you're a part of falls apart and you find yourself in a a court of law, you are responsible for your individual action. And every prosecution against World War II war criminals was based on that concept. It's a concept which is as important today as it was, you know, almost 70 years ago. The defence that the person on trial was only following orders by implementing legitimate laws that clearly stripped sections of the community of inalienable rights and liberties they were born with was not a defence. Now, the reason the new president of the ACTU, Sally McManus, has been pilloried for claiming unjust laws should be broken because is because the government of the day and the corporate sector and the corporate media know there are not enough jails in this country to imprison people who break unjust laws. If our community or the trade union movement decides to break those laws, then there are not enough jails to imprison them and political change occurs. That was what the Clary O'Shea, the imprisonment of Clary O'Shea in 1967 in Melbourne on industrial laws. That was what that dispute was all about. People 
including myself, normally obey the law because there is some community benefit in obeying most laws. There is no community benefit in obeying laws which strip individuals, specific communities and the country as a whole of our inalienable rights and liberties. No community value whatsoever. There may be a value for the corporate sector. There may be a value for the people who own the means of that small percentage of people that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication to have industrial laws in this country, workplace laws in this country, which make it illegal for human beings to withdraw their labour, illegal to withdraw your labour outside an enterprise bargaining agreement period in this country. You know, it does benefit some people. So the purpose of pushing Sully McManus, the new head of the ACT, on the ground and then beating her mercilessly on the ground is for them to tell the rest of us that if we dare go down this road, there will be consequences. But... There are no consequences if these laws are disobeyed en masse. No consequences whatsoever. It reminds me of the Waterside dispute, I think it was in 1992, it was going to be 1994 in Melbourne, when the Supreme Court of Victoria put an injunction against protesters going to assist the Maritime Union of Australia. And over 5,000 people broke that injunction. The police faced with the problem of, you know... uh, upholding the law or keeping the peace, decided to keep the peace. And that's what political struggles are about. That's what peaceful political struggles are about. It is about breaking unjust laws. It is about creating new laws that ensure that each and every one of us actually contributes to the welfare of everybody else. Let's hope... Let's hope Sally McManus keeps her nerve and encourages those unions that are still affiliated with the ACTU to break laws which clearly make it illegal for workers to withdraw their labour outside of an enterprise bargaining period. A worker who does not have the right to strike is a slave. End of story. End of story. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming li- is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The pod- program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Game changer. Game changer. It's a nice phrase, isn't it? Game changer. Apologies to my beloved Prime Minister. Now, a nice term of phrase, game changer. It's good, isn't it? I wonder how many ghostwriters were employed to come up with that little phrase for our beloved Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull when he's having his picture taken outside the snowy hydroelectric scheme. Well, that's another story I may go into another week, but not this week. Look, I must be dumb. And that means all, you're all dumb because you're listening to me, all right? Sometimes 
I think my last synapse neuron has stopped transmitting. I think I'm brain dead. Well, I have to be brain dead to be sitting in a studio talking to four walls. You know? Look, I don't believe in climate change, and I'll say it again. I do not believe in climate change. I accept that climate change is a fact. That's right. I don't believe in climate change. That's a belief. You can believe in everything. I can believe there's a little Martian sitting next to me telling me what to say. Does it make it a fact? Of course it doesn't make it a fact. It's not a Martian. It's somebody from Saturn who's telling me what to say. (laughs) I don't believe in climate change. I accept climate change is a fact. And I accept it's a fact that human beings are responsible. Now, obviously, in the scientific literature, there may be 99% of uh, people involved in the field who accept it as a fact and 1% who don't agree. Fair enough. That happens in life. You never get unanimity of opinion. You never get that. never get 100%. I mean, you don't have to read scientific papers to come to the conclusion that climate change is a fact and that human beings are responsible for the change in the climate. All it takes is a very simple experiment. And I'm not asking you to do this experiment because it's not very nice. Very simple. You can can do this little experiment and you can prove to your heart's content that climate change is a fact. Look, I'm not asking you again, I'll say it again, to do the experiment. Just follow the drift of my argument. If you get a half a dozen mice, three males, three females, put them under an airtight gas uh, dome, glass dome, not gas dome, I'm not trying to kill the poor little things. Get a half a dozen mice, put them under a glass dome, right? Provide them with a finite amount of food and watch them. There you are, they're in the Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden. Three male, three female, glass dome, under a glass dome, tons of greenery, tons of food, finite, obviously. Bang, watch what happens. It won't take long for both the environment and, more importantly, the atmosphere to change under the glass dome. Now, just extrapolate this. Just follow my drift. This is very simple. And that's the thing about the anarchist world this week. We don't go on about complex ideas. We talk about simple ideas which are accessible to everyone. People keep telling me, oh, it's too complex. I don't understand. Obviously, they don't want you to understand. That's why you get all this garbage going. You know, people rely on their beliefs, not facts. If you think of the 8 billion people, yes, 8 billion people on planet Earth as the six mice. Let's equate 8 billion people with six mice. And the atmosphere, troposphere and stratosphere as Earth's glass dome. Because you realise, I don't know if you know this, we're not sitting in a space which is full of oxygen. That's why those crazy men and women that go up in space have those funny suits. I mean, you've got a atmosphere, which you can all feel. Then you've got a troposphere, which you fly through. And then you've got a stratosphere, right? 
That's our little covering round the great blue planet. This beautiful covering. That's our glass dome. And then there's the universe. Infinity. Space. They can't hear you scream in space. Right? So here we are, 8 billion people on planet Earth. We do everything we can to enjoy ourselves, you know. And and we've got finite resources like those poor little mice that have now starved to death had. Finite resources. So it won't take long before we, humanity, begins to suffer the same fate as the mice. Look, I don't think of climate deniers as deniers. I don't give them that satisfaction. I like to call them climate flat earthers. I mean, even in today's society, there are people who think the earth is flat. Fine. They can have the flat earth society. They can enjoy themselves. But when they try to tell me that their belief system is based on fact, well, then I've got to scoff, all right? Now, if we accept the fact that climate change is here to stay, and I accept that fact because I've seen very little change in human behaviour to address the problem, and just, just to show you how the climate has changed. I've been in a garden in the city of Melbourne and I have seen in that garden, and I've never seen this before, a banana tree of bananas. And I'm not talking about a glass house. I'm talking about just a bloody back, somebody's backyard. A banana tree of bananas, sugar cane six foot high, and a coffee bush. There is no way in the world you could have done that in Melbourne 30 years ago unless you had a a glass house. No way. I mean, that doesn't prove one thing either way, but it does prove that climate is changing. So when I heard our beloved Prime Minister, not beloved by the people in his own party, but beloved by all those people that thought he was actually going to change the Liberal Party, Sorry to disappoint you. Talk about increasing the snowy hydroelectric scheme's output by 50%. As a gamer changer, I was confused, very confused. I was back in my dumb, dumb, dumb capacity. I mean, increased temperature means decreased rainfall in our part of the world. This means less water. For Malcolm's hydroelectric scheme. Just last year, Tasmania's hydroelectric output dramatically decreased because they didn't have enough water because of decreased rainfall. So why would Malcolm Turnbull, a beloved Prime Minister to some, call the changes to the Snowy Mountain scheme a game changer? Either my last synapse in urine has run out of puff, which is very possible at my age, or Malcolm Turnbull, blindsided by his parliamentary team, couldn't announce the bleeding obvious. Why why wait on a scheme that'll take a decade to deliver? When you've got the bloody sun. That's right. That's what happens. That's why I saw that banana tree, the sugar cane, the coffee plant growing in a Melbourne backyard. The sun, S-U-N. Right? 
So if you want a game changer, don't do a little bit of uh, cosmetic changes to the hydroelectric scheme in the Snowy River. But why not invest a little bit more in the solar technology? Battery farms. Put up solar panels on every roof in the country, three of charge. Oh, that would mean those other people would lose their ability to make a living. That wouldn't be nice, would it? Game changer. Come on, Melgum. Decrease rainfall, increase sunlight. You know which way to go. You know you want to go in that direction. But unfortunately, you've been tied, tied to those reactionary conservative scum in your party, which you've never had any time for. Come on, Malcolm. Grow up. Do something. It is to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, again, I'm still confused. As I said, if you're listening to this program, you must be dumb because I must be really, 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 really stupid. You know, I must be. Take housing affordability, and I've spoken about this again. I'd just like to remind you that if you are in the, live in the city of Melbourne, the next Defend and Extend Public Housing rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House in Spring Street will be on Wednesday, the 5th of April, from midday to 2pm. Open microphone. We're sick and tired of trying to get, you know, high-powered people to speak. They're not interested. We want you to come along and speak. Fill up those steps of Parliament House and join us on the 5th of April. As I said, I must be dumb. I'll tell you why. They're all talking about housing affordability, and it goes something like this. We have a housing affordability crisis in Australia. Sorry for the funny voice, you know, but you know, you've got to do something. It's so funny. It's hilarious. All right? Okay. We agree. Fact. Not a belief. Fact. Fact, 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 fact. All right? And there are millions of people in this country who know it's a fact because of the rents they pay, their inability to get a deposit, problems getting into the housing market, right? So what are the solutions? And I've heard them all. Let's remove stamp duty and introduce land tax. Fine. Let's go into a partnership with the government to buy your home. Fine. Let's free up a bit of that superannuation money so you can use it as a deposit to buy your first home. Fine. Let's provide a guarantee to the community housing and affordable housing and social housing sector, private organisations, mind you, but a government-clad guarantee so they can borrow money from the banks to create more housing, community housing, which is housing which belongs to the private sector, whether they're for-profit or not-for-profit, they're still the profit sector. What else? Let's increase the first home grant. Let's open up more land so we can actually build more homes, you know. Let's decrease migration so there are less people coming in, less pressure on, on property. Let's ban foreign investors. I keep going on and on and on. I could keep going on and on, but I don't think the program is long enough to talk about all the harebrained schemes that have been put forward, not by idiots like me, 
and you, but by really intelligent people in positions of authorities, you know, prime ministers and ministers and corporate leaders and leaders of the, uh, you know, of the not-for-profit sector, you know, really intelligent, really intelligent people who are basically feathering their own nest, but that's another story, you know, trying to do the best they can for their own organisations. And I thought to myself, hmm, right, affordable housing. How do you make things affordable in a capitalist society? I don't want to talk about revolution and all that stuff, all right? I'm not interested in that. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. It'll happen in your lifetime, but not mine. Okay? So what do you do? You create a mixed economy. What is a mixed economy? It's a very simple, old-fashioned concept. A mixed economy is when government-owned infrastructure and services compete in the marketplace with private-owned services and infrastructure. Very simple. It means you've got real competition. It doesn't mean that you've got cartels, which kind of, you know, wink at each other, when they increase their prices for energy or whatever, but you've actually got real competition in the marketplace. So what is the best way to improve housing affordability? It's very simple. 3% of the Australian population lives in public housing. Okay? If the various state governments and the federal governments put their heads together and Increased. Oh, I've just oh, I've just said a bad word. I'm almost kind of waiting for God to strike me down here in the studio. Increased public housing stock. That if we put public money into increasing public housing stock, instead of wasting billions of dollars every year in rent assistance, which allows private landlords to artificially, you know increase their rents because they know people on Social Security benefits get a little bit of rent assistance. Instead of providing guarantees for private organisations to build, you know, a community housing, instead of opening up more land and increasing the urban sprawl, why not build public housing? Every state government has land they have access to. So you don't have to worry about the land. Currently, this is how ridiculous the situation is. The Victorian state government is entering into private-public partnerships with private organisations and private developers to develop state land and then provide 10% public housing, the other percent private housing as their reward. As we've seen with all private-public partnerships, it's the public that gets shafted. So public Housing. Increase it. If 20% of the population lived in public housing, I can assure you in the next four to five years, the prices of homes would drop dramatically in this country. So the solution is very simple. It is not complex. Everybody tells me it's a complex problem. It's a complex problem. You can spot purchase. You can build. It's a complex problem. It's not a complex problem. It's a simple problem. You create a mixed economy. And every government has that capacity to do that. As long as it's willing 
willing to stand up to vested interests. But unfortunately, they don't seem to be able to do that these days, do they? They don't seem to be able to do that these days. These vested interests, not interested. Not interested in what's going on. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, think about it. It's the Anarchist World this week. Broadcast on the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scanner. I'm hosting today's program. That's right. Anarchist World this week. Broadcast on the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scanner. I'm hosting today's program. Okay, let's move on. I mean, it is enough to make you want to join public interest before corporate interest, isn't it? Here we have all these political parties, all these social movements telling us how wonderful it all is. You know, how wonderful it is. When the reality for an increasing number of people is a little bit more difficult than we think it is. Much more difficult than we're told it is. And the problems are increasing. And what are people doing? Like the mice, they are beginning to turn on each other. They're understanding that if you want a solution to the individual problems that you face to a significant degree, if you want individual solutions, there are no individual solutions. It comes from community solutions. That's what we're looking for. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Now, if you are of a... Uh, if you've got kind of low tolerance for racism, I suggest you turn off for a minute or two because... I'm going to be naughty. I'm going to be very naughty. And I'm going to be very naughty because the government told me to be naughty. Now, over the last 10 years or so, there's been a concerted campaign led by those intellectual pygmies, and my apologies to pygmies, in the Murdoch media, to water down the Race Discrimination Act, okay? Now, obviously, there are issues regarding the application of the Race Discrimination Act. And it's interesting to see that my mate, Malcolm Turnbull, our beloved Prime Minister, is once again, you know, giving comfort, once again giving comfort to uh, people in... uh, you know, what's going on. Right, once again. So, what is the changes which has been passed by Cabinet and, more importantly, the Liberal Party and the National Party Party Room? It's very simple. We are going to water down the Race Discrimination Act to replace the words insult humiliate there's another piece there which I've kind of forgotten insult and humiliate with Harris and as I always believe my beloved Prime Minister it's going to strengthen the Race Discrimination Act now I may be wrong but this not only gives comfort to people who believe that uh, racial stereotyping is fundamental in our society, but it also gives a green light 
to these same people to abuse people, not because of their individual shortcomings or the things they've done, but to abuse people because they belong to a specific racial group. That's the key. Specific racial group. You know? Insult, humiliate. Insult and humiliate. So they belong to a specific racial group. Okay? That's the way it's... It is. Now, you've got to remember there are really no criminal sanctions. What actually happens is you make a complaint, you try to resolve the complaint. If you can't resolve the complaint, if the Race Discrimination Commissioner can't, or the Human Rights Commissioner can't resolve, help you resolve the complaint, then you've got two options. You can let it lie or you can take it to court. It's up to you which way you go. It's not up to the Human Rights Commission. It's up to you. See, the difference is that when you remove uh, insult and humiliate and replace it with harass and intimidate, the bar rises and rises and rises to such an extent that you need an Olympic gold medalist high jumper to actually be able to take anything to the Human Rights Commissioner. You know, insult, denigrate, humiliate. Not because of what that individual has done, but because, of, again, of their racial profile or their racial origins or the, the way they look. So if this goes ahead, and it may not go ahead, depending on our friends in the Senate, but if this changes to the legislation 18C goes ahead, there are issues and there are important issues that we need to face if these changes go ahead. And these issues revolve around the type of language which I will be able to use legally. I'll be able to use to denigrate, humiliate, marginalise, you know, people of a different racial origin for the crime of being of a different racial origin. So I'll be able to use, once again, in this radio program, you know, when I don't like a particular group, I can call them slants or dagos or abos or half-breeds or half-casts, unpleasant words, insult and humiliate people. I'll be able to use those words free of the knowledge that I will not be forced to interact with the people I've insulted. Hmm? Be able to do it over and over again, over and over again. To prove harassment, a bit difficult. To prove intimidation, a little bit more difficult. Oh, just freedom of speech, mate. Freedom of speech, freedom of hate speech. That's the way it goes. That's the way it is. So isn't it fascinating? Here we are in the 21st century getting ourselves in a knot over this as a community. Well, when it comes to tackling tax avoiders, not interested. 
I noticed yesterday the new head of Chevron in Australia was lecturing us, you know, the company that paid $258 tax, I think it was last year or the year before, legally, obviously, lecturing us because coal seam gassing, gas extraction has been banned in Victoria and New South Wales. It's all our fault. There isn't enough gas. Not the fact that they're not paying any, you know, any tax. Extraordinary. And then we have, you know, we have this ridiculous situation where you've got increasing unemployment, casualisation, increasing anxiety, increasing suicide rates, increasing uh, mental health issues, increasing dissatisfaction, problems with housing affordability, increasing homelessness. On every available indicator over the last 40 years, the gap between the rich and the poor increases. That's not the issue. No, no, it's not the issue. The issue is the fact that we have a little piece of legislation in place which makes it a little bit difficult, not impossible, a little bit difficult for racists to be openly racist. And that's the big issue of the 21st century for the Liberal National Party. I'm sure poor old Malcolm is crying in his sleep. I mean, Malcolm, it's not worth the Liberal Party leadership to actually give up everything you've worked and believed in all your life. I'm quite confident you don't believe or want these changes to 18C and I'm confident you'd love to expand solar power in this country and the list goes on and on. But how can you do that? How can you reform a party which has been infiltrated by reactionaries, which is a clone of the Institute of Public Affairs, which is there to serve the interests of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. You know? Malcolm, resign before they stab you. At least you'll be able to... At least you'll have some money to count in your Bahamas account. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. A few websites. You can ring us on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Public Interest Before Corporate Interest is the organisation which... Uh, help to establish, defend and extend public housing. So go to the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Turn up on the uh, Wednesday, the um, 5th of April. You can go to the Public Interests Before Corporate Interests webpage, pipsy.net, pipsy.net. You can go to the Facebook page, Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. Download the application form from Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. Join today. Don't leave it till tomorrow. Join today. You're interested in what we're talking about? You want to be involved in the political party, which is not just a political party, but a, a, an organisation which is involved in direct action? Well, join public interest before corporate interest today. Download the application form. Haven't got a computer? Ring us on 0439 395 489. Leave a contact name and address and we'll post you out an application form. Haven't got a phone? Write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, and we will post you out an application form. So do it now. Do it as soon as you can.
You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Let's look at equality of opportunity. I mean, see, the great thing about living in the land down under, the land of Oz, you know, the the uh, gold and green, the green and gold, is that we love to let people think that we are living in the best times in human history and we are the best country in the universe. Not just planet Earth, but the universe. And a term which is bandied with gay abandon is equality of opportunity. I mean, equality of opportunity like game change is a lovely lovely phrase that's regularly trotted out by those who wield power in society. We need equality of opportunity. Not equality, and that's the difference between us and them. They believe in equality of opportunity. We believe in equality. Power and wealth, access to power and wealth, Devolve power, direct democratic principles, hold wealth in common. But they want equality of opportunity for people living in this country. Because, And you'll notice that in 21st century Australia, equality, unlike the late 19th century Australia, is not a word or a topic that many people raise, especially in public discourse. It's always equality of opportunity. I mean, the phrase, I mean, I must hear it two or three times a day by people in authority. It's monotonous regularity, I hear it. Equality of opportunity. Now, these people seem to have forgotten that life is a handicap race, all right? Life is a handicap race. We're not all born equal. It is a handicap race. You can't have equality of opportunity in a handicap race unless you do something to overcome that handicap. Now, irrespective of what you think about the horse racing industry, and obviously there are many listeners who would find it a very dis, you know, unpleasant industry, their handicap races are handicapped. So if a horse has won a few races and it's starting out with a good pedigree, that horse has a greater weight on it than a horse that hasn't won any races or whose parents came from the wrong side of the tracks. I mean, the purpose of a handicap race in the horse racing parlance is to give every horse a chance of winning the race, okay? That's what a handicap race... So equality of opportunity would mean... The same as far as human beings are concerned. Let's, t- let's turn our attention to the human handicap race of life, which we're all participants in. We're all runners, whether we like it or not. It seems that in the human handicap race, in the human handicap stakes, you do everything you can to stop those who have a Buckley's and none chance of winning from ever, ever finishing the race of life, let alone win it. It starts from the moment of conception, you know? Moment of conception. If your parents are well off and have good jobs, it's highly likely they'll have the right food and do all the good things money can buy to ensure their offspring have the best start in life. Natural. 
your parents are poor, have a psychiatric issue, a drug addiction, you start off second best. No spanky new private hospital for you. Your chance of birth complications are much higher than those who can access the best care money can buy. It gets worse as you get older. Currently, one in 33 Victorian children are in care. That's for every classroom in this country, in this state, in the state of Victoria, one child is in care. Those kids don't get the same support as those with parents who can look after them. Their rates of incarceration, sexual abuse and poor educational outcomes are much worse than other children. As I said before, it gets worse as you get older. In Australia, you have to use a public education system that is poorly funded and staffed in comparison to a private education sector that is ha- that is heavily funded by the public purse. That's right. Heavily funded by the public purse. An inability to get a good education has a lifelong impact on many children. Not all children, but many children. You know the story. Poor job prospects, poor wages, part-time insecure work, no chance of buying a home, ongoing problems for your children. The struggles go on and on. I mean, the racing industry wouldn't dream of having a reverse handicap race. If it did, you wouldn't have a racing industry. The whole purpose of a racing industry is you handicap the horse so that every horse has a potential chance of winning. When it comes to human beings... Those who own the means of production, distribution, exchange, communication are more than happy to promote reverse handicap races for those who do the work in this community. And that's the way it is. We have reverse handicapping of humanity, of human beings on this planet Earth, including the land of Oz. And unless we are willing to struggle to reverse that, equality of opportunity means nothing. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can ring me on 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to a number of websites, anarchistmedia.com. Anarchistmedia.org. You can download the Pipsy application form from pipsy.net. Pipsy.net. You can go to my personal Facebook page, see what's going on. Toscano, the number four, the public, where you can read my foot bubbles and get a headache. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, Lord, yeah.